Hello, and welcome to the third episode of Sophist Symposium. We're your hosts. I'm Doug Daffin. I'm Chris Benjamin, and we've got a guest today. Hey, what's up, guys? It's Zach Daniel, Coffee Black, Henny Black, uh, Black Panther. <laughs> I got so many nicknames, I don't know. I'm kind of wild with it, so. Hey, tell us a bit about yourself, Zach. <laughs> um, you know, I'm generally just a, just a black, black man trying to make it out in, uh, very white world. And you know what? I was born in Brooklyn, New York. I live in Sugar Land, Texas now. And um, yeah, that's, that's me. This podcast is already better than the other two we've done. Um, all right, sick. All right, so tonight's topic is going to be hedonism. Uh, we're going to talk about enjoying yourself. Yeah, and um, so first off, we got to get to our, our drinking rules of the night. We're going to have Zach... explain those real quick alright so our first rule is uh, drink when you want cause you know I I drink when I want it's hedonism it's hedonism let's do it Um, pop culture references and the third one and my favorite we're calling FOMO for the night right guys Um, it's uh, if you don't get the pop culture reference you drink two times as much as you usually would so right so I want Doug to drink Right now, because he didn't know what FOMO was. And to be expected. So, um, for anyone listening, FOMO is fear of missing out, in case you didn't know, but I bet you did. By the way, speaking of listeners, um, I have one confirmed person who I know has listened to our show. So, yes. Jessica, thank you so much yes. for your support. Clap it up. Yes. Clap it up. Uh, no, yeah. we, your we, support's we, made with all work. That's right. Um, so. Explain tonight's drink. So, tonight's drink, um, the first thing I, I want to say, because we're, we're going to hit it up immediately, mm. is Zach is sitting here, and he's got a Hennessy in his hand, which is important and yeah. crucial, it and is. our first pop culture reference of the and night. And how big is that bottle of Hennessy? You know, it's, this is the this is the young 1.75 liter bottle. Uh, I bought it uh, I, on a spur of the moment purchase, and uh, it was good, because I finished about three quarters of it. But... You gonna let it do what it do? Yeah, no, it's important. Yeah, it's crucial. In fact, um, also, Doug, that was a pop culture reference that you missed. It was. It so was. drink again. So that's yeah, that's definitely hundred <laughs> percent. So our drink of the night. It's Texas Independence Day. Yes, sir. And I gotta, pro- I gotta tell you guys, in large portions, I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> that being said. I've got, I've brought for us some Devil's Backbone, yes. which is a, a beautiful product made by the Real Ale Brewing Company. Mm-hmm. It's my favorite Texas beer. It's my dad's favorite Texas beer. Yes. And this sucker does not tell you how strong it is, neither on the bottle nor on the, like the six packs I bought it in, which is interesting because these suckers are like eight and a half percent. It's real strong. It's it's real strong. <laughs> Fuck. Is that two drinks? It's, it's yeah. That's right. See what's amazing about this already is that Zach and I can basically just collude and pretend we're making pop culture references <laughs> if we wanted to. Um. So. All right. So that's our drink. I mean, Real Ale Brewing Company is from Blanco, Texas. The Devil's Backbone is an actual stretch of road out in. Um, the hill country, which is famously treacherous. Famously. I don't know where it is. No one really does. No. You know it when you get there. Exactly. And then that's the last thing you know. <laughs> <laughs> like going through most of Texas until you get to El Paso. Yeah. Just like, well, I'm here. I, I guess. <laughs> I don't know if I'm going to get out of here, but I'm here. See, if it, I don't know. Getting out of here is one thing. Getting to your intended destination yes. is like an infinitely more difficult task. Oh. You're in Texas. I mean, this is... Half the trip to California is through Texas. Half exactly. From Houston. From anywhere in Texas. You know what? Half the trip to California is through Texas, even if you're coming from Bama, I think. Yeah. Yep. Like, do you realize that this state is 800 miles across? I think it's like the 840. That's insane. Yeah. Like that, I said, that actually seems low compared to right. Like, yeah, but it isn't. No, eight hundred and forty. I believe it's eight hundred forty miles across. So I just left the state, and we were measuring it. Me and uh, my friend David, and we were uh, measuring, and yeah, about eight hundred forty miles. So it's a big ass state. That's wild. It's wild. All right, on to the show. Okay. So let's talk about hedonism. 
And the first thing I'd like to bring up is that a lot of people view hedonism as sort of the counterpoint to normal morality, like the anti-morality. Um, you have, you have morality and it's like, oh, stop yourself from doing things because you're supposed to, and it's, it's good if you don't do these things that you want to do, but you shouldn't do. Um, and, and that's how you be a moral person. Whereas hedonism, uh, people look at it and you get things in pop culture, like, uh, the hedonism bot from Futurama, and you see- Bro, what? Is that really a thing? That's a, a, that's a thing. That's a thing. Double oh, fucking okay. drink. Wow. Hey, cheers to Doug getting somebody on his first double drink. Oh, that's wow, important. that's loud. That yeah. Loud. <laughs> I hit it a bit too hard. <laughs> so, the hedonism bot is this gold-plated, um, Greek-styled fat robot. Extravagant? Yeah. <laughs> yes. and, and he's like, he's... M- melded onto a reclining chair. Like, the bot <laughs> is, like, just laying about. Um, he's only got one arm, because the other one is <laughs> just propping himself up. It's so perfect. And, you know, people... He, he has people slather oil on him and feed him grapes, and he hosts orgies. And He's a robot, though, right? Yeah. And Okay, so he's fed grapes. It's Futurama, Chris. You don't, need to watch the read show. Okay. Right. <laughs> you, you need to watch the show. They they eat things. They eat things. Sometimes. The, the robots. Yes. yes. They okay. also drink yes. a lot of alcohol because it fuels their own. So I'm familiar with Bender. Yes. Okay. Anyway, so that's so that's the portrayal. <laughs> so I'm familiar with Bender. Yeah, yeah, so that's the portrayal of hedonism in, in modern culture. You know, it's it's sort of the converse of uh of morality. Mm-hmm. But what I'd like to get into is that that portrayal of hedonism is a misrepresentation of philosophical hedonism. So hedonism as a school of thought arose from one of Plato's disciples, who I forget the name, but that's not the rule tonight. No, not tonight. You would have been fucked last week. Yeah. Ah. And uh, that that philosopher decide or declared that the goal of life should be to do pleasurable things because part of moral philosophy is figuring out you know what are humans supposed to do and it gets really hard when hey, figure that out was it epicurus are you uh, talking about epicureanism no but i'll get into epicureanism okay in mm. a bit okay um this was a precursor but even even before Plato, even before Socrates, even before the Sophists, you see um, you see hedonism described in things like Hamrapi's Code, uh, where it says you know fill your fill your days with pleasure, um, or a man ought to fill his days with pleasure, or something like that. Um, and part of it is because it's probably the easiest answer to what should a person do. Um, it's, it's a consistent answer in the sense that, uh, you have things like Kant and Kia Kant. <laughs> Dude, there are so many pronunciations that yeah. yeah. I have heard people assert with absolute conviction, like to the point that anybody who disagrees with them should be in prison, that the pronunciation is Kant. Hmm. Yes, I, that's I, happened to me. And, and I've heard that from like you know high highfalutin English philosophers who should know well enough. So here's the thing. Now, uh, Zach, you can get in on this if you want, but I got to tell you, this is very exciting. We just got a live challenge to the podcast. Wow! Because Jessica just texted me. All right. And wow. she said that she was listening last week. And said that we missed a drink where we should have had one. Well, here's to that. Well, hang on. I want to. I want to because it's my fault. So I want to. I want to really get this in here. I described a painting last week as being called School of the Philosophers. She just texted me and said, "Nope, that painting was called the School of Athens, and y'all missed a drink because of it." So thank you once again, Jessica, wow. for providing us more opportunity. 
to be to have a true symposium. So that's yeah, absolutely. To Jessica once again, she's not going to believe it. She's going to she's going to listen to the next episode and be like, Jesus, this is just a, a podcast about me now. That is wild. Now, by the way, here's the thing. Um, we've been unfair to Zach already. Hmm. Did we explain to Zach what this this whole symposium business is about? Oh, that's... Mm. We don't have to go into it. We don't have to go into it. Yeah. Let's just say this, Zach. Yeah. So, the reason we treat this as a pregame is because, traditionally and historically, a symposium was a drinking party. Uh, or in Doug's words, which were beautiful, and I've, I've listened to them over and over again, because <laughs> I'm the only one in the stream who listens to our I podcast. I never said a beautiful word. No, this, uh, this, you always say beautiful words. This string of words was really beautiful. It was... Um, it was a symposium was basically a drinking party. Pause. It was exactly a drinking party. <laughs> <laughs> oh, all right. And every time I heard that, I always appreciated it. You know, I love to drink, so yeah, I'm with you. All right, back to back to Kant. Okay. Uh, so Kant had his um, his moral philosophy, the uh, categorical imperative, and with the categorical imperative. Um, it, it described that, you know, if you think something's immoral, you can never do it under any circumstances. And a paradox someone, uh, my philosophy professor, used to give was that if you're hiding Anne Frank in your... Um, I'm sorry, what was that? Anne Frank? Anne Frank? Anne Frank. No, hang on a second. This is unbelievable. Anne <laughs> Frank. <laughs> yeah. On bonk? No. On bonk. On bonk. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Excuse me. On bonk. And you're hiding Annie Frank. And I want to hear Annie Frank. Annie Frank. And you're hiding Annie Frank in yes. your attic. Uh, and a Gestapo officer swings by. Okay. And asks if you're hiding any suspicious characters. You have to not lie to him if you think lying is wrong. But then, at true. the same time, you can't betray Anne Frank. <laughs> <laughs> you can't betray... This is already my favorite episode. <laughs> <laughs> you can't betray Anne Frank, because that's also wrong. Okay. Here's the thing, though. My understanding of the Kantian imperatives was always, you can narrow these decisions down to a point where it's almost always acceptable. So, instead of saying you can't ever lie, instead the question you ask might be, can you lie to authorities under circumstances where you firmly believe the authority's authority or, or power is illegitimate and that your action is actually serving the greater good? See, and and that's, the, that's the type of analysis I expect from a good law student. <laughs> yeah. No, that's that's very true. Well, that's fine, Doug, because um, you didn't get it from a good law student, but I, I see what you mean. <laughs> <laughs> oh man but with hedonism there is a consistency because it's essentially do as you like um, and as, as long as you're basically true to yourself like it's it's easy uh, you don't have to ask yourself you know is this ethical mm-hmm. um, and you just have to ask yourself uh, you know will, will I enjoy this and you don't even have to ask yourself you know is this the thing I'll enjoy the most because you're not seeking out the most pleasure. You're just seeking out pleasure. Well, hang on. Is there Are there any shoulds in hedonism? Is there any you should do X? It's... Will there just be an overarching should? Yeah. Like, it's just like, you should do this. Yes. You should do it. Like, it's just well, like you have... It's not a moral philosophy is, without the word should. Right. But but I'm, I'm, I'm interested in this should. Because if it's... I 100% agree with yeah. you. There needs to be a should. Right. Otherwise, we're just analytically describing life. Yeah. yeah. So, what's the should? Uh, How do you distinguish any moral decision from any other? Well, the thing is with... It's, it's a, you know, you should do what you would enjoy, basically. Okay. Because it's not necessarily a maximization of pleasure, yeah. right? It's just... Pleasure should exist. Yes, yeah, and here's pleasure should exist. <laughs> yeah, and here's here's one of the beautiful things about hedonism is that you don't even need to tell yourself I should do this because you already want to do it. But what yeah. if I what if I work to minimize my personal pleasure? 
Wait, do you derive pleasure from minimizing your pleasure? Okay, so the should here is whatever you do, you need to derive pleasure from it. Even if it is a systematically de- systematic well, denial well, of pleasure. Well, so I guess this is a good time to bridge over into one of the alternate schools of thought for hedonism, which is, I think, Epicureanism. Okay, here we um, go. And mm. This is what I want to talk about. Right, and Epicureanism is interesting because instead of saying you should do things you enjoy, it's saying you should enjoy the things you do. Mm-hmm. And you get, it's it's almost like a Buddhist um, philosophy in a sense, but I think it's more like a Confucian area. It can be both. Because, because isn't, wasn't it Confucianism that says even the bended, uh, okay, hang on a second. <laughs> I would be fucked last week. The bended, oh, it's an idea that as the breeze moves through the grass, even the bending, um, what do they call of the um, reeds? The bended yes. reed. The bended reed offers its own form of resistance. That's Confucianism. Yeah, and I think Epicureanism is very similar. Don't be the it stone. Can, be the reed. It can be bend with the, the wind. Mm-hmm. One of one of the interesting things I read about Epicureanism was that Epicurus, in seeking pleasure, he didn't like go out and host lavish parties or like try to have the finest meats. But he kind of led a form of stoicism. And you would think, you know, stoicism is the complete opposite of hedonism. That's exactly what I would think. But the way he explained it, well, the way I'll paraphrase, the way I'll explain it based off of how he he explained it, was that, you know how at one point you listen to really good music and suddenly, like, just random music doesn't cut it for you anymore because you kind of realize it's shit? Yep. That's uh, me all day. Or I like, guess we kind of have to talk. We have to narrow I mean, this question. Yeah, a little or like bit. if you have a really good steak, suddenly you can't have like Dinty Mora Salisbury steak. <laughs> like suddenly, <laughs> suddenly you no longer derive once, pleasure from it. Once you get Kobe beef, you can't really go back to the regular old T bone steak. Yeah, you've got okay. that good marbling. You've got that good taste. So. So how does how does this make it like stoicism? Well, what Epicurus thought is that you need to preserve the um, the liking bad steak, basically. So it's like if what you is- see if if you have the most the best steak in the world, suddenly you're not really going to enjoy every other steak because it, you're going to realize that this steak isn't you know, very good. So was he deriving pleasure from knowing there was something better or just enjoying what he had? Well, yeah, it's it's enjoying okay. what you have. Okay. And it's like if you if you have suddenly have a taste of something better, it's much harder to enjoy what you have. Okay. okay. Is you're familiar with the famous poem Carpe Deum? No. Holy shit. You don't not familiar with Carpe Deum? This is no. This, but I'm gonna seize a drink. Okay. <laughs> uh, wow, I think we should drink without. Oh one. shit! Was, hey. The sound, the sound on that one is gonna. We're gonna blow out the audio <laughs> many times. My my uh, feet over here is uh, all over. Can you place. pass me the bottle opener? Oh, absolutely. Oh. We've got several. I, I guess yeah. 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 <sighs> okay, so basically, uh, carpe diem. Um, <laughs> y'all didn't see that. Doug's not maximizing his his own enjoyment, but he's maximizing mine. <laughs> I'm maximizing mine. the enjoyment of this dude. Okay, so Carpe Deum, Roman poem, basically in all for all intents and purposes, the precursor to Yolo. Oh, trick one hundred percent. I love the little sound of the cork. I hope that comes through the audio oh, really as the Tennessee gets open. So, um, Carpe Diem, basically a poem about live life, enjoy the little moments. You know, there, there's little moments of, of advice like strain the wine, you know, enjoy the, the sunsets, live life, pluck, pluck the flower while it's ripe. Which 
often seen as a sexual um, set of advice, which, by the way, still agree with that. Because yeah, hold on. <laughs> the, the idea is, you know, live your life. Enjoy it. Don't keep things from yourself because they are, they are fleeting moments. They're just temporary instances where you can either enjoy yourself or you can fail to. And really, what's the better situation? I think it fits perfectly with Epicureanism. I've always been taught that it's part of Epicureanism to seize the day. Mm. How do you feel about that? Um, I prefer seizing the means of production. Okay. Um, okay. Not pop culture. Yeah. yeah. That was so uh, anti pop culture <laughs> that I want you to drink for that. Just drink. I no. want you to drink. <laughs> like what? <laughs> I need to undrink because of what just happened. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's targeting my yeah, personal yeah, political views. <laughs> yeah, well, you have to drink a lot to undrink. Okay. Oh, yeah, that's no, that's true. That's true. I'm not that's trying true. to undrink had a bad weekend. So, so <laughs> oh, oh no, yeah, <laughs> I'm no. sorry. No. I, I definitely seize the day a little too hard. So, I guess uh, what I'd like to hear from each of you, and then I'll give my own example. But uh, give an example of just. Something hedonistic you did uh, recently. Follow you. Okay, so um, I have a fun little thing that I like to do when when it's been when it's been like a couple weeks since I've done this. If I am, I know that I don't have to wake up till late the next day, and I'm just feeling chill. I don't have a lot of responsibilities. I'll just grab myself a strong bottle of wine and I'll just sit there and I'll watch YouTube videos or I'll watch a movie mm. and I'll just get wine drunk and then I'll go to sleep. Mm. And I will do this because it's great and it's highly enjoyable. And sometimes I will call my girlfriend and chat with her for a bit because I'm very affectionate when I'm under those circumstances. So I kind of make it work for me. She doesn't listen to this podcast. <laughs> I don't expect she ever will. Not yet. But... <laughs> Yeah, this is going to be the demise. <laughs> but but I I have fun with that. I think it's enjoyable. Um, and you know, is that healthy lifestyle? No, obviously. But I'm into it. How about you? Interesting. Um, something something hedonistic I do. Okay. Um, I don't know. Some of you may have noticed this. I know you probably have, Doug. But um, whenever we're out of bars, I give random people. Well, my friends. I give random people my debit card and just say buy things. <laughs> I think it's bad. And it makes me happy. Like it really That's beautiful. I really derive pleasure from my friends getting things. I guess um, I guess I shouldn't have given it back. Yeah, you really well, should. Wait, wait. But hey, I wanted to buy you a drink. <laughs> you know what? I wanna I wanna take off this for a second because because there's one thing I do that I have so much fun with. Whenever I go to a bar and I just grab like a drink. Mm-hmm. And that's going to be like four fifty, right? On average, in Austin, on 6th Street. If the bartender ever tells me, sir, we have a $10 minimum, I will think to myself, aha, this is fun. This is what I always do. I say, bartender, and I invariably I try to get a girl for this. Like, bartender, find the cutest girl at the bar, give her your favorite shot, don't explain to her what's happening. Just tell her that somebody has bought her a shot. And they do this? They absolutely do it. The minute I say this, they look around and they get very interested and they're like, who do I think is the hottest? And they like look and they I can see them going through basically their um what do they call what do you call it? Quarterback from football? What, what do they call it? Yeah, yeah, they go through their progressions wow. and they're like, okay, I'm looking for a girl who's in a relatively small group, and I'm looking for maybe this hairstyle, and I'm looking for maybe this kind of outfit. And they, I can see that the gear is working in their heads, and they eventually decide upon one. And what happens is they walk over there, and so, well, the first thing that happens, they invariably are like, well, sir, my favorite drink, like, blah, 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 whatever. And I'm like, yeah, sure, whatever, whatever. Just put it on the card and, and close me out. So they will invariably put the drink in front of the girl. The girl always gets so quizzical. And they're like, what? Why? What's going on? Wait, who? Who, who, who? I want to know. I want to know. And the bartender always fails me, always points me out. 
About 50% of the time, the girl comes over and tries to talk to me. I'm already, like, going out the door. I'm out of here. Because the purpose is, I'm not interested. I don't want to play these games where it's like, oh, like, I want to buy a girl a drink. I want that girl to be, like, some mysterious person thinks I'm hot and bought me a drink. That's the game I want to play. It's actually the bartender... It's actually the bartender, mm-hmm. but who cares? Because it's fun. I like watching the bartender make the decision. I like watching the girl's like eyes light up, and she's like, "Oh wow, like something interesting happened tonight." Someone I can tell my something I can tell my friends about. So that's my personal story. Wow. Okay, I like that. So, uh, I I guess my last moment of hedonism is this podcast, which is an ongoing moment of hedonism. Mm-hmm. But that's a cop out answer. So, uh, shoot. Let's see. Uh, I enjoy a good smoke now and again. Good smoke. Good smoke. There have been multiple times I've gone home and watched Doug out of the corner of my eye light up on his balcony. <laughs> it's, a, it's a very beautiful experience, honestly, once you're coming home from a long night of study. What are you lining up over there? Uh, so I would always get wood tip black and miles. Okay. Because, um... You live on Swisher Streets. Why are you smoking Swisher Streets? See, like, come on now. This is a perfect... Like, I've done it. It's a beautiful thing. I've tried Swishers. They don't have the wood tip. <laughs> they don't. I've tried one Swisher in my life. Was that the one Aaron gave me? Aaron gave me a Swisher. Yeah. <laughs> I just don't like it as much. I but mean, the worst thing, to be though, fair. The worst thing, though, is if the gas station attendant, because I invariably get them from gas stations... Um, there's nowhere nowhere else to really get a black and mild. Um, the correct way. <laughs> but and the worst thing is when I get a plastic tip. Because, and hear me out on this, I feel like when I smoke through the plastic tip, I'm just getting cancer. No, I hear you. Yeah, <laughs> fuck that. I mean, I've seen people try to, try to construct bongs out of plastic pens. Mm-hmm. Oh, Man, no. I hear you, man. Yeah, Not this plastic shit. Also, um, on the Swisher argument, that thing really does taste like it's made out of sugar. Because it is. is it yeah, made out it of must sugar? be dipped in sugar. Like, yeah, you gotta lip your lips as you're smoking. You gotta, you gotta lip your lips. You gotta lip your lips. Lip your lips. <laughs> lip your lips. Yeah, lip your lips. You gotta lip your lips when you taste some Swish. Yeah, but I mean, to be fair, that's not what they were made for. So I get it. Yeah, but something I'd like to point out is that usually when we talk about when people, you know, detract against hedonism, they're like, oh, you know, people do all these bad things if they're purely hedonistic. Oh, sorry, were we talking about a subject? (laughs) Wow. We were distracted for a bit there. Left. (laughs) Right? That went left. Wow, okay. But none of the things we were talking about were particularly, like, socially harmful. That's true. Uh, okay. Like, a society can thrive off of people making those decisions that we just made. So, that's very fair. Very good point. Very good point. But, and what about my cocaine addiction? Right. And this is- <laughs> true life story. This is Chris Benjamin's cocaine addiction. Disclaimer, I do not have a cocaine addiction. <laughs> yeah, I do not know where to get enough cocaine. cocaine. <laughs> not yet. Not so, yet. So much. <laughs> I guess what I, what I want to move the conversation towards is that I think most people are hedonists, even if they don't really want to um, admit it, because hedonism has the stigma attached that, you know, it's this socially destructive thing. Um, but I think most people tend to do what drives them pleasure. Um, and maybe, you know, they get it from working at a soup kitchen or... yeah. Uh, help are making friends or doing or you know giving their friends a debit card so they can buy a round of drinks. But like most people tend to do things that uh, give them pleasure. What I want to talk about is if hedonism is the norm, and if if hedonism should be something should be the uh, the moral philosophy that we promote, then how do we prevent? The actually like socially destructive, um, hedonistic impulses. Well, here's the thing. The first thing I want to respond to is I am so passionate about the first part of that argument that I almost wish that I could run with it myself. Well, okay, let's just talk about that first part of the argument. You're absolutely right. You're, I mean, this is, this is what lies behind 
And, and here's one thing. So one of our classmates once said in my um, NPRE, oh, professional responsibility class, there's no such thing as real, um, oh, what's it called? Um, ethics? Working for someone other than yourself. Like, uh, uh, yes, thank you, Zach. There's no such thing as real altruism. I could not agree more because what she was saying was every action that you take, you take because you derive something from it. If somebody gave to charity, even though they hated charity cases, they hate charity as a concept, they think it's a waste of their money, what is that person doing? And if you can find anyone, I applaud you. But almost everyone else is saying, I believe in charity. I think I'm a better person because I give to charity. I feel a rush of positivity and dopamine because I give to charity. Mm-hmm. There is no such thing as real altruism. There's no such thing as real hardline, you know, morality at the exclusion of personal benefit. People do things because they like to. They want to. And when they don't do it, they feel bad about themselves. That is the core of morality. So, Doug, you are so right. Yeah, and as an example, um, about a month ago, I was going to a flag football game, and I was walking down the street, and I saw a debit card just lying in the middle of the street. And I, I, I noticed it, I walked past it, I crossed the street, and then I turned around and decided to pick it up and give it to UT police. Because as I was walking away from it, I'm like, I'm going to feel really guilty if I don't just, like, go out and pick this up and do something with it. Like, I'm going to feel like a piece of shit if I don't do this thing. So, like, people, you know, when I was doing it, uh, I ran into Jack while I was doing it. And, like, I, I told him, you know, okay, I just, because he was crossing the street, and I'm like, hey, I just saw this, we're going to pick it up and um, turn it in, and he helped me, because I didn't know where UT police campus... Yeah, they don't care about us on the law school stuff. Yeah. I get it. By the way, so, because there are now three down with guests, who is also a law student with us, I don't think we ever clarified that. Oh, yes, yes. I actually do go to law school, which may shock many of you due to the fact that I have so many ridiculous nicknames, but yes, I go to law school as well. With us, in fact. Yes. Specifically. Specifically. So, um, we are mentioning a lot of names. Yeah. Names that we know. They're law students. They're law students. Yes. And I imagine we clarify otherwise. Yeah, Jack might be a guest in the future. That would be nice. Oh, he's a He's, he's interesting. We would disagree a lot. And we would. Although at this point, I think that we need to have Zach here all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate it. I'm, yeah. I'm kind of feeling it. Uh, this episode is pretty solid. solid. Yeah. So, anyways, as I, as I was explaining it to him and picking it up, someone else um, just chimed in. You know, oh, you're a really good person for doing this. But it's like I didn't. You know, I didn't necessarily do it because I wanted to be a good person. I just didn't want to feel guilty about it. Like, that's the honest truth. And here's, but here's what I want to mention is that, like, altruism, I don't think should be, like, it's, it's lauded because you're a good person if you're altruistic. But I, I think it should continue to be lauded even if, uh, you're being altruistic in the sense that Chris is pointing out, and that you you like helping other people out because it makes you feel good. You're right. Mm-hmm. And I think no one, no one, no one, very few people are willing to admit they help other people out because it makes them feel good. They want to, like, I, I think a lot of people want to keep that inside because they feel like, oh, then I'm only doing this for myself. But you can do it for both yourself and for the other people. Well, what if you don't need to? What if, mm-hmm. and, and this is really what, what comes, what it comes down to for me. You're right. And the reason you're right is that people inherently value their actions based on how much it serves them versus how much it serves someone else. But what if it isn't about that? What if real morality is saying how much the valuation of how much it matters to someone else factors into your own personal valuation. 
such that if I say I give to charity because I love to versus I <laughs> I buy weed with the same money because I love to. What mm-hmm. if the difference between those two is that we're going to say to the person who loves to give to charity, damn, your hedonism is a lot nicer than that guy's hedonism. I mean, I think I think someone could say that, but I'd like to hear what Zach thinks about that, actually. Hmm. Honestly, you two were blowing me away for a second. <laughs> so I was just I was just in my own world. But honestly, I believe that I was thinking about it in the sense of let's say maybe you're gonna make a pop culture reference, right? But let's say Kanye West makes music for his own good. For Kanye West. For Kanye West and Kanye West's for posterity. But sorry, I need a drink. But we as the listeners in a commercialistic society, are the beneficiaries of him making music. We enjoy what he's, uh, the art he's producing for us. He's so. Does it make it wrong that he's making the music, or does it make it like he's making the music for himself, so he's getting that pleasure out of it, or is him doing that for himself an altruistic action because the result of it is us getting to enjoy his music? Hmm. I I think Kanye West is definitely a hedonist, first off. For sure. Um, And, like, I think that he he definitely, I think he makes music for himself. But, I mean, if, if we enjoy it, then... Let's see, does that make it altruistic? Because he's not, I don't think he's particularly doing it like he's not making this these songs so that he he's making the songs I think to bolster his own ego and at least that's the impression I get from him. Well, he's the voice of the generation. Yeah, that's something someone trying to bolster their ego would say. Fair. What I would say that like early early er Kanye West wasn't as full of himself as he is now. Obviously, and but he still believed he was. Now this is this is. Can we divide it up to like before or after amazing? Uh, this is pre-amazing. Yeah, because I think once amazing yeah. comes out, there's no argument that Kanye West isn't full of himself. Pre-amazing. And then we, we can talk to... about polos and backpacks. Yes, this and is... we can talk about. <laughs> God, you're just gonna do two. I have three Kanye. Like, God dang, man. Like, yeah, yeah. Oh. Mr. West, Mr. West. Wow. So, yeah, we can talk about, let's, for Doug's sake, we'll go ah. pre-amazing, post-amazing Kanye West. There. Yeah. Pre-amazing Kanye West. What's he doing music for being self-serving, Chris? I would like your input on that. Do you believe that pre-amazing Kanye West was doing music to serve himself? I'm trying to think about interviews done with Kanye in that period. And I'm thinking about that. Was it MTV that had that basement show? Yeah. Yeah. MTV raps or something. That's right. Yeah. yeah. And which, by the way, I still think is his greatest freestyle of all time was done on that show. I would agree. Agree heavily. Yes. That was incredible. And he was literally wearing polo and backpack in that. So, but, but in any. You just got hit with like three. I'm sorry. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. Let's go that for a minute. I'm sorry, but <sighs> so, but but to suggest that he was doing it for his own edification. I mean, that's a good way to put it. Was he doing it for his own edification? Well, what is hip hop? Like, at a certain point, there's something so much more... How, how much is there really a, a contribution to the culture in, in hip-hop as against, I'm getting mine? Because at the base of it, hip-hop is about getting yours. Right. <sighs> Interesting. So... That's probably a reference somewhere. <laughs> 
<laughs> I mean, I'm getting mine. Yeah. Is in fact a Kanye lyric. Yeah. So, so there you go. Although it Kanye doesn't say it. Do you know what where that's from? That I'm pulling that. No, I don't. Wow. All the lights. Oh my! Yeah. Nice. Right. Yep. We gotta let these know. Yep. yep. Okay. That's right. <laughs> that is post amazing Kanye West. That is just for amazing. Just for you. Um, even though that is my favorite album of all time. Beautiful dark, beautiful dark twisted nightmare. Fantasy. Fantasy. Damn. Ah, that's, that's a, no, that's a, for that's you. a failure for me. That's Absolutely. One for you. Um, but yes, uh, at the base of hip hop, I guess there's this, there's this mentality of being a struggle artist and you have to, you have to rap to get out of the struggle. So that's inherently getting yours. Okay. So yeah, that's how, uh, that's well, how Eminem wins Green Mile, right? <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yep. You're right. That you're guy's right. name is Clarence. He goes to a private school. <laughs> That's a private school. Yeah, you guys from Cranbrook. That's a private <laughs> school. <laughs> and Cranbrook have a real happy marriage. <laughs> yeah, man. I love that that's character assassination. Oh, man. Be like, y'all, <laughs> your parents are together. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay. Ah. Okay. These, are, these are beautiful things, aren't these they? These are fantastic. Yeah, so. Yeah, I might crack one up. Okay. Mm. Have either of you ever seen the Key and Peel sketch? Oh God, damn! This is getting rough. the struggle. Um, yes, of yes. course. Yes. The so, struggle. Uh, do you remember what the other rapper was named? No. It was basically a Lil Wayne stand-in. Basically. Is what it was, and <laughs> you watch Key and Peele videos. Too, right? Oh yeah, okay. absolutely. Yeah. They're so, fantastic. So, so both of y'all are gonna have to double drink. I'll take one drink. Yes. Yeah. Please do. Thank you, sir. I got enough for each of us to have four, so... <laughs> well, yeah, you know, have more than four. <laughs> you're going to have more than four of those? So, okay. No, you're going to have more than four. Yeah, fair, fair, <laughs> fair. So, and, and this is... I'm not just saying this because it's a pop culture reference. It really is interesting, because Key and Peele, I think all of us can agree, are solid commentators on culture. Side note. You have to seek it out. We really do. We really do. We really do. This movie looks phenomenal. I've gotten nothing but rave reviews from it except one guy. One? Did you see the one guy who actually gave it a spoiled on Rotten Tomatoes? Hey, man, there's always one guy. There's always one guy. Nine out of ten dentists, man. Nine out of ten dentists. I love the way, you, you know those commercials where it's like nine out of ten dentists and they always show the representation. It's like the tenth <gasps> dentist. Like got knocked out by something, right? Or, like, yeah. Apart. Right? Yeah. Like it's just like, yeah, we didn't accept his re- recommendation, so he's dead now. Which is borderline like lying to the consumer. I, I don't know how that's okay to say. Anyway, so um, also, I watched Keanu, man. Like I thought that movie was Keanu great. was phenomenal. It was great. Movie. It was actually phenomenal. I was expecting it to be hot garbage, and it was great. It was <laughs> solid. Okay, so. The struggle versus whatever. Mm-hmm. So, so you've got basically two paradigms of rappers. It's the struggle, whose flow is all about like, you know, social economic crisis and racial disparities, uh, mm, disparities yeah. in terms of social services provided and opportunities mm-hmm. available. And he's clearly like making a music video where he's about like, I'm here for the mothers and the children. I'm here for the the culture and the neighborhoods. And then whatever his name is, the stand-in basically for Lil Wayne. No offense to Lil Wayne, but clearly a stand-in for Lil Wayne. Amen. Like shows up and is doing the whole thing like drugs, drugs, lean, drugs, <laughs> drugs. He's like <laughs> tickle bitties from a bunch of different cities, like yeah. And and the whole time the struggle is like. What like he's looking at this guy? He's like, "What is going on?" And what's interesting is that I think that's a solid commentary on what is the culture of hip hop because you do have this extreme dichotomy between the people who are like taking their fame as an opera as a vehicle to move forward a a, a perspective, maybe even an argument. And those who are taking it as an opportunity 
to drop fire raps and get money. Exactly. <laughs> like, get money and, and get uh, women of the illicit variety. And I don't yeah. know where to put Kanye. I don't know. Because sometimes it seems like he's motivated by something greater than himself, but he thinks of himself as a fantastic vehicle. And sometimes it seems like the argument is the vehicle and all he cares about is himself. It's very hard for me to say. And that's why I keep making jokes about, you ain't got the answer, Sway, because that interview was such a huge, uh, like, line-straddling moment. Because, of course, he's talking over and over again about, like, I am a, I am a creator, I'm an artist, I am a person with creative ideas. And those should be respected. And these, you know, these industries, these these corporate empires, these the, fashion houses—they're yeah. not respecting what I can. My these, art. No, these presidents don't care about black people. It, well, oh, and, and ooh, that's but here's the thing. Back to that, yes. Race is a massive part of it, yeah. and, and it's a massive part of his argument, and it it is crucial. But it's a massive part of hip hop, honestly. It mm-hmm. is. It absolutely is. But that is that's it, right? The culture. Mm-hmm. And and the problem is that while Kanye says all the right words, there's something that seems wrong with his motives. Hmm. The thing about Kanye is that at the end of the day, he is Kanye, and his persona is always going to be braggadocious. It's always going to be a step further than what any human... Kanye is living a life that most people would like to live in his words and his actions and everything that he does from day one. And that is hedonism. Yeah, at its finest. And for the, to move on to the final thing I'd like to well, 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 hang on because, <laughs> because of time. We're, we're, we're about 10 minutes from. Yeah. So it's which is the perfect okay okay just making sure we're not saying um, final thoughts right no, final, the final, final thing discuss. I'd like okay. to discuss okay uh, to to move the conversation from Kanye West is um, we have to acknowledge the elephant in the room which is that some people have I take umbrage to that statement yeah there isn't actually, I don't appreciate what there you're isn't actually right an elephant in the room but shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Gang, gang, Which is that some people have, um, as Fifty Shades of Grey would put it, unconventional desires. Wow! (laughs) Wow! Oh, I'm so I am so angry with you right now. I'm angry that I thought the thing is like I didn't know that. So I don't. I haven't read uh, Fifty Shades. Of no, Grey. neither I have I. Section. It's I literally. I can assure you, with an absolute guarantee, that Doug is pulling that from a movie trailer. No, I'm pulling it from a meme, Fuck. and it's like. <laughs> and yeah, it's I'm gonna like, break for that one. And, and, and the meme is like the dude is like I have unconventional desires. The chick is yeah. like show me. And then the it's pink, a room full of like furries or something. Yeah, it's yeah, a room full yeah. of like My Little Pony dolls, and um, that's the meme. The I'm worst that line from. Yeah, <laughs> the because it's children. Just. <laughs> yeah, that's so bad. And and that's the meme I'm pulling it from. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> anyways, but some people have um, unconventional desires. You have uh, the like the Charles Mansons. Or like, okay, you know, you have people who wanna who wanna kill, you know, you have, and like, how do you, if you want to say hedonism is like actually what we should look at for morality, how do you align those people's those people with hedonism? I just have a quick question before morality. we get into this. Yeah, is that. We're going under the assumption that hedonism is what we all would promote. Just as like, this is, this is what we're going after. This is like, cause obviously like hedonism with limitations is probably what I would go Yeah. For. But like, well, explain those well, limitations. Yeah. That's I, the question. Yeah. I mean, hedonism was a more, a moral slant. We're talking about, right. There are certain moral things that you wouldn't be able to 
go past, which is like uh, hurting someone else's pursuit right. of of just okay. happiness. Yeah, yeah. So I, like, I thought we would call that externalities. Exactly. So well, I call it your your ability to swing your elbows ends <laughs> with another man's nose begins. <laughs> so like. Killing, for example, right, would be limiting someone else's ability to pursue their, their, yeah, own. their own hedonistic, hedonistic tendencies. So that would be, guess it, um, trying to deprive someone of something that it, that they're taking hedonistic pleasure from would be outside of that. So those would be like certain limitations that I would consider at least. Zach, are you are you describing a sort of moralistic uh, libertarianism? <laughs> I guess. Zach. I guess. <laughs> which which it goes against whatever I think, but I guess in this sense, yes. I mean, don't worry much about it. Last week, I think a comment was made last week where I said to Doug that he and I were fighting over who's the furthest left, so you're in good company. <laughs> no, no, Chris, you were you were way further left than I am. You're right. You are right. Yes. <laughs> you're right. No, you're right. And stop. <laughs> stop. <laughs> yeah, stop. I knew you were going to say any comments? Um, yes. Um, so, so do I even need to ask about what? Any comments? Go ahead, sir. Go. Okay. Um, my, my assumption is that we are stuck in one of two paradigms. Um. And now I've forgotten what they are. Okay, hang on. What, what, what is <laughs> this okay? Is the fun part frame of the <laughs> at the end, right? What is what is your okay? Frame your question again. So, should we put limitations on hedonism to prevent the people with unconventional desires? Okay, so so I have two uh, answers to that, and I'm not sure which one I like more. The first one is to say that a part of hedonism is the understanding that to abide by the rules of society, the culture, the the culture. understanding, <laughs> the understanding that certain actions are not acceptable is a part of hedonism. So, so that that's the idea of I'm not going to kill my neighbor because. How fun is it going to be for me to be prosecuted for homicide? Not very. The, the, the second option is a total, um, let's just do whatever feels good and let the consequences play out as they may. Now, if I'm an individual, I don't like option two because option two is fraught with Risks. Yes. So then, what I want to mention about option one is that. Go ahead. I have issues with option one. All right. What I want to mention about option one is that there's a presumption then that the law isn't suited towards this moral, like hedonism. Like, like, like suddenly, suddenly. We have hedonism, and then we have law to fill the gaps. Yeah, but law supersedes if, right. hedonism. So we have a law based off that's not based off of the morality that we're pursuing, which is hedonism, but rather based off of like a functioning society, making a functional society. So it's like if you blanked out the United States and just were like, "Hey, we have these laws," and then hedonism can operate under that. To the effect that they don't violate said said laws, though, so like the moral penal code, pretty much. Okay. So, like, it's like if we don't violate that, then you're good. You can do whatever you want. So, do you think that laws then, if if you're a hedonist, that laws should be the answer to limiting externalities? And, well, and if so, where do you draw the laws from? So, so the first problem I have is I'm not really sure where you're getting this argument of law being different or outside of the hedonistic perspective because as far as I'm concerned everybody in their life makes decisions and those decisions are affected by law for example I may think gambling is great I may think gambling is exciting and fun and, and I get a rush from gambling right 
if you tell me gambling is illegal, that will be a that will have a huge impact on whether or not I choose to gamble. So, the legal system is a large part of hedonism to the to the effect of if I say I want to gamble and it's legal, I'm going to be like hell yeah, here I go, I'm going to gamble. If you tell me gambling is illegal, I'm going to say ooh, I my my uh satisfaction versus fear of reprisal uh, coefficients and uh, even equations of hedonistic pleasure are going to be altered by that. So that's the main issue that I have it, it, it is that I don't think you can divorce it from law. And I think that when you add in law, you start to arrive at this complex, maybe Byzantine, but still, effective situation of the relationship between personal pleasure and fear of repri- reprisal, which I think is heavily involved with personal pleasure. But I guess the, the final question I want to ask you before we wrap it up is then, where do we derive the laws from? Because it's obviously, like, some people want to say that, you know, we, our laws are derived from, um, moral codes. So you get laws like, you know, don't murder people, which are derived from moral codes like thou shalt not murder. Um, but which, I guess what you're saying is that the laws come first and then your hedonism, your, your moral code is affected by what laws are in place. So, I'm curious on your answer for this, then. If not from a moral code, where should we derive our laws? Like, not from the moral code we follow, where should we derive our laws from? Utilitarianism. But then, if utilitarianism is the answer, why isn't... Why are we saying that hedonism is the prevailing moral code and not utilitarianism? I don't think they're necessarily different. I mean, that's fair, because, like, the Wikipedia article on hedonism says it's a type of utilitarianism. Well, here's the thing, right, because we basically have already said that whatever moral theory you choose to follow uh-huh. has a lot to do with hedonism, because it's just maximizing your own pleasure from following that moral code. Anyway, wow. I, right, see, I see it now. I feel like I've now already said the best thing that I can say. I'm going to give your it over. Final thought? That's that, going to be my final thought. Wow. Right? And I'm going to hand it over to Zach. Okay. Zach, what are your final thoughts? My final thoughts, though, uh, no, I don't have much time. But hey, we're going we're gonna to do what we do. Um, I believe. Listen, man, you take as much time as you want. <laughs> I'm honored. Thank you. Um, so I believe that, to your point, hedonism. Hedonism at its finest should exist outside of a social structure of laws. If that makes sense. But how hedonism exists, would exist in a society today, wouldn't be outside of social norms. Which I mean by, what I mean by that is that there would be limitations, as I said before, about like, um, doing unto your man because we have religion that has come into play and like things of that nature that run society just generally because let's be honest, church and state is not divided in the United States, but that's a story for another time. Um, <laughs> you know what? You know what? <laughs> that's <laughs> pop culture. <laughs> but honestly, I just believe that, um, our hedonistic tendencies should not be limited as to, uh, let's say, dull or sullen or dullen what we ha- like, dullen our creative spirit, dullen like our our entrepreneurism. I really feel like hedonism can really do wonders for the promotion of, let's say, the arts of to just um, happiness in a society. So. I really support that. And, um, yeah, basically, you know what? Um, thank you guys for having me. Um, 
Also, uh, shout out to Kanye West. I love you. Uh, shout out to Champagne Poppy. I love you too. You the, the boy. Hey, more life is coming. No, out. no, no. More life is coming out in two days. Let's go. Yeah. Wait, no. Are you serious? Yes, sir. More life on March fourth. OVO. Yeah, let's go. Is yeah. that confirmed? Uh, supposedly. Gang, gang. Six side. <laughs> Six. And after these drinks, I'll give my final thought. Yes, Doug. Doug. You just had to take like seven drinks. Doug, that was more than I wanted. By, Doug, by the way, Doug, you probably have to finish that beer. <laughs> Doug, who is Champagne Poppy? Oh God, fuck you! <laughs> Doug, I would have given you a hint. Like that you, doesn't help. No, no. Anyways, no. my final thoughts. <laughs> um, okay, okay, okay. I think America was founded. Like, the moral foundation of America is actually hedonism, and I think the secret to that is life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Thank you guys so much for listening to the third episode of our podcast. We were so happy and proud to host Zach D. for this episode. We hope you enjoyed it, too. Thank you once again for your support, and... Although, once again, this is another episode where thoughts go unfinished, we still think that delivering these thoughts to you will continue to, let's say, entice you to think about them, consider them, and chew on them in your own time. Once again, thank you so much for supporting us, and we hope to continue to deliver these to you every Thursday night. Good night, and we hope to hear back from you soon.